Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beards and Lavender, a podcast by Queer Kentucky. I am your host, Sarah Gardner. There's two hosts to this podcast. <laughs> I am Spencer Jenkins. My pronouns are he, him. Mine are she, her, hers. And welcome, Spence. How's it going? Uh, Very deep sigh. I'm tired. Same. Um, today, I just got on this real big kick of, like, reignited to kind of really put myself into the work of activism again, um, acting like I actually stopped. But the other night, Silas House tweeted something about being ashamed of Daniel Cameron from being from this state. And I was like, yes, Silas. Get it, Silas. Well, I don't, and I wrote an editorial about it today. It'll probably publish soon. But I was like, I read it in a very like prideful but stern Appalachian voice in my head. <laughs> well, if you don't know who Silas House is, number one, we will have him on, but he has the best. I don't even know if we're allowed to do our Silas House impersonation. I, I can't. I can't even touch it. Sol, my name is Silas Hiles. But, but it's so, and he's one of the best writers in the state of Kentucky, especially modern, probably one of the best modern writers in our state by far. Um, but oh my God, his voice is like, it is maple syrup. It's dripping, sexy, authoritative author. Well, and he's a big advocate for Appalachia and Appalachian people. And one of the things that I admire about him is he is like, do not get rid of this accent. There's no reason oh, for you no. to get rid be of this accent. Yeah. Be proud of the accent and, and stand up for it. But anyways, he had this tweet and I, I just got really fired up about Daniel Cameron and 19 other attorney generals signing on to this lawsuit um, against the Biden administration about or in regards to Title IX and how it should not protect trans youth. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? Oh, it's shit. That's what it is. I, I like. I don't even. I'm so tired. I don't even know what to say. I mean, like we're at. We're just going back and forth and back and forth on all these topics. And at some point, there's just not much more to say other than give us fucking rights. So I looked at the human rights campaign website to search for Kentucky organization well, corporations that stand against anti-trans legislation, and I couldn't find one. And I was like, okay, well, here's more arsenal for my editorial that I want to write about Kentucky just not falling in line with other progressive states. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think it's just been a hard week in that. Um, I know that's an exhausting, I can't wait for your editorial because it's so needed. And, you know, I, I, you're an awesome writer and I think you have so much experience and so much to say in this regard. Yeah, I'm tired. But, but thank it does, you for your kind words. It, but it is, we are tired. It is a very tiring week. Well, um, and I sent this editorial to um, a friend that works at a marketing marketing agency in town. And then I also have a friend at the Career Journal. And I was like, look, I just need you to look at this and give me some feedback. Because when I have these editorials that are a little bit more like hot topic issues, I give them over to professionals to read beforehand. And oh, usually ones that aren't queer. Yeah, because, absolutely. Because we need to know how it lands on, you know, allies, ears, 
Allies ears. Allies ears. Allies ears. Allies ears. Brought to you by Allies ears. This podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We love you, Allies ears. So that has been kind of my day. Yeah, it's a long day. Yeah, it seems like it's been a week. I know. I was thinking about that because I was thinking about when we were texting yesterday trying to set up this recording, and that feels like a week ago. I just... We recorded seven days ago. Well, no, but I I meant when we were texting about it yesterday... Our text felt like oh, a week ago. Yeah. It's not even been 24 hours. Today we have the endlessly entertaining Gilda Wabbit. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation. I know. So Gilda and I have been going back and or went back and forth forever about getting them on a podcast. And now that we finally have this going, um, it was a no-brainer to bring them on. Yeah, they are such a wonderful conversationist, conversationalist, and and just an awesome um, person with a fascinating background. Uh, just for, so everyone knows, um, they are a drag queen, um, a local, if, if you're in Kentucky and in Louisville, um, a local playmate at Play Louisville. Um, they lived in New York City for five years and worked as a drag artist there as well. Um, and they're a huge activist and advocate and they navigate that world so amazingly, yeah. I noticed after our conversation today. So please enjoy our conversation with Gilda Wabich. We love her. Love her so much. Today we have Louisville sweetheart, Kentucky sweetheart, Gilda Wabbit. Hi, hello everyone, and welcome to the corporate hellscape that is YouTube or Facebook, or Twitter, or Instagram, wherever you're watching. My name is Gilda Wabbit, and today we're coming together to discuss queer people's problematic fave. Astrology apps, dyeing your hair instead of going to therapy, adopting your grandmother's fashion sense out of a sense of guilt and internalized homophobia. Queer people's problematic fave, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes! Kill the Wabbit, kill the Wabbit, kill the Wabbit. Uh, we would love for you to give a little intro about yourself. Oh, goodness gracious. Where do I start? Hi, hello. I'm Gilda Wabbit. I am a playmate at Play Dance Bar here in Louisville, Kentucky. I am a briefly internet famous meme icon. Um, I am a local well-known sacred slut. <laughs> And um, cheers to that. I aren't all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally on Grinder today, and some some torso was like, "Oh my god, it's Gilda!" And I was like, "Yeah, have you not heard me talk like at the bar? Like, th- I I do exist on Grinder. I mean it when I talk about it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I just like haunt lots of like dark corners in town. It's a good time. There are a lot of dark corners in town, actually. One actually just closed. Wait, right, is that is right that o- my favorite? No, right over the river. Um, the sex store over there in Clarksville. <gasps> no! So we have love boutiques still here. Yeah, I had just started going there, though. No, they're shutting they, it down. Yeah, they're shutting it down. Yeah, they, shut girl. down <laughs> they shut down cubbies? That was my... What? Cubby holes. Is that... No, teddy bears. Oh, cubby teddy holes bears. is... Teddy... Cubby, Cubby Holes is New York. Cubby Holes is in New York, which New York. also shut down, I think. Yes, I, think yes. It's I was Goodbye. just talking to a New Yorker yesterday about that, yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, lesbian bars. Goodbye, all the lesbian there are, bars. There are yes. only 15 left in the nation. Please, please save the lesbian bars. Yes, please. We know what we need to do. And now maybe this is problematic. I'm going to say something that's problematic. Oh, Go. no. Welcome. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. I think we need to 
convince middle-aged lesbians to stop having children. Because the reason that like white gay men, gay bars all exist is because the fags are like, we don't care. No, yes. I'm here to like do meth and suck dick. Stop buying your Subarus and all your plants and spend it at a goddamn gay bar. Yeah, I, I think don't, there's I don't some need you to go uh, specific friends you're attacking. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> like all of my friends, I apologize to you all. But... Truly, truly. No, but there's something, yeah, because like when I go out, like I mostly have to go out with gay men because especially like an older generation of lesbian doesn't want to go to, like I think Caitlin was the only person who would go to Teddy with me. Like we wouldn't, no one else would go. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really grateful. A lot of my like younger fans are queer women, but because they're like drag fans, they're going to like not lesbian bars because lesbian bars aren't bringing drag queens to those spaces. Well, we don't have any right. anymore. And there's yeah. and there's also this like weird tension between women and drag artists that I like hate, but I think that that like is an older thing that we're sort of getting rid of. But like I imagine, and now I I'm not been to a lot of lesbian spaces that exist because of who I am. But, like, I, I would imagine that that, like, infects that, like... Probably. there There's a lot of, especially in the lesbian community right now, there's a lot of turfiness. There's a lot mm-hmm. of just, like, so many issues. And I don't know what it is about, yeah, especially the older generation of lesbians, I think, do have this weird lack of desire to see performance. Right. And more just, like, be at a divey space. And I love divey spaces. Yeah. And, and also, like, from that, from that contention, like, older, like, old school drag queens are really shitty to women. Yeah. Period. Like, like, like the amount of like transphobia and misogyny and like biphobia that like a lot of like old like I'm like oh my god you're a legend I love you and also like I don't want to give you a microphone. Yeah. Oh shit. I guess I never really think about that when I think of old school queens, but when it comes down to it, a lot of them are awful cisgender white men. Yeah. So. Yeah. Truly, I, working in New York, there was like a wide swath of drag artists because like there are a lot of like staples who have worked there for like two decades. And I would go and like pay respects to the legends and like try to learn from them and be like, well, um, they're really pretty. Yeah. And they have nice costumes. And I don't want to hear them talk to me anymore because I am offended. That's so fascinating. So like speaking of cubby holes, LOL, New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when you said that, I was like, yeah, well, what I was just... secret place in this city have you been getting your rocks off at? Yes. <laughs> no, I it's literally having... just a cubby hole. It's like it's, <laughs> it's like, just it's, it's just it's... a cubby hole. There are three lesbians, right. which is the entirety of any lesbian bar, anyways. It's, it's only big enough for you to stick a hand in, and so yes. it's, just, it's it's like it's like the it's like the lesbian cor- so corridor. So it's just a it's corner a of hole. Metro Station. Yes, yes precisely. precisely. Yeah, it's lesbian les- lesbian glory hole. Um, you can you can stick just the two fingers the... that don't have the acrylics so, on them. If you like three <laughs> fingers, you're fucked. Right. Like if you go on the street, true. yeah. Absolutely true. I do. I have, I have my press-ons on today. Yeah. And, they look good. Um, thank you very much. And um, I have a, a history of sleeping with people with vaginas. And so I'll often be like, hold on, give me a second. And pop like these two <laughs> yeah. off. And be like, okay, now we can go. Yeah. Speaking of like some of this vul- quote unquote vulgar talk, I was listening to your podcast with... It was like the five things one. Oh, yeah. So fun. I loved it, but I, I hate it how she prefaced it with, if you have children around, like maybe don't listen to this or like don't pull up Gilda on YouTube with kids around. I was like, oh, come on. But I mean, also, I guess I, I get it. Yeah. It's, it's, I just did a corporate gig yesterday. Um, I was doing trivia for this corporation on Zoom. And they were like, I need you to like be sort of like 
PG. And so (laughs) I was like, great, here are my five dad jokes. Um, And now it's done. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Like it was, it was really funny. Um, Do they just not know what they're booking when they book a performer and ask them to censor themselves? People blindly book queens, don't they? Yeah, well, they blindly book queens. And also like, like, like also people, people are trying to toe the line of like inviting diversity in but like they still want that diversity to be palatable. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of issues with that and also like I'm someone who's really comfortable. I went I went on a rant recently on a podcast and I ended up getting cut which I thought was funny, but I went on like a 15 minute rant about how like I'm not actually a radical and I'm okay with that mm-hmm. because like I'm very comfortable going to a corporate space and being like, "Okay, I will not curse. I right. will not talk about sex. I will be the the like inch of queer to like help open the door yeah like like i will go in and be like white and palatable and like pretty in a stereotypical way and like be funny and then like maybe that'll help you sort of like and and also push the line enough enough that it can i mean yeah so that someone could eventually take the mile from the end right that's like like that's the goal because like we can try to like tear down all these systems right but that's like a long-term goal and in the meantime, they all fucking exist. So if I get invited into them, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm here. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I will take your money. I will right. take your check. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I saw someone say on the internet being like, like, there, the, there's all this talk about like Ruth Bader, Bader Ginsburg going around now. And people are like, oh, if she were only around because SB8, I think, is going to the Supreme Court um, out of Texas, which is a bill that's going to ban. It just passed. It just yeah, passed. This morning. Yeah. It passed this morning. Well, it had already passed, but the Supreme Court. In Texas, Court, right? But it's the, upheld yeah. now. Yeah, the Supreme Court was like, we're not even going to hear it, right? I posted a TikTok about it today for Planned Parenthood. I guess I was too late on that. Yeah, update. I think it was like, I heard it on the way over. So That's really upsetting. So yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's why I went on that rant today. Like, So I wrote this really intense editorial about how... Daniel Cameron has also signed on to this 20-state lawsuit against the Biden administration saying that Title IX isn't protective of trans kids. Um, And then the fact that what we just talked about with Texas, and it's just a shit show right now. Yeah, yeah. but I I saw someone talking about, like, how dare you all uphold Ruth Bader Ginsburg like she's this, like, this, like... Sorry, I'm not speaking to it. Like, how dare you all invoke the name of Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Like, she was awful, and the Supreme Court is awful, and we should just tear it down. I'm like, that's great. You're right. The Supreme Court is awful, and also, it's here. We have no other options right now. We have to deal with this system until we get rid of it. And do you have any plans on how to get rid of it? Because, like, you bitching about it on the internet is just as useful as someone being like, oh, if only Ruth were here. Like, well, Ruth's not fucking here. She's not here. We have to deal with it. And even if we changed it, it's not going to change anywhere near near your lifetime. I am totally fine with people bitching on the internet if they are doing things in their daily lives. That's a big thing. If you are showing up the way you are portraying on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, then whatever, bitch all you want. That's a huge thing. So, like, speaking on the politics, uh, so with your brief internet fame, the meme that came out. Yes, the future liberals want, lol. Yeah, so that was you. How does that feel to be just, like, kind of the face of this massive meme politically for a while. Yeah. Um, it felt, it felt, well, at first it felt wild. I felt like I was, I must be on like the precipice of something because I was, I was at a friend's house, Gloria Swansong. If you want to follow an amazing Judy Garland impersonator, costume designer, oh, and overall drag amazing. queen, Gloria Swansong out of New York city. Brilliant. 
Um, Gloria, finish my gowns. Thank you. Um, and I was at her apartment doing a fitting for a gown that she had made me. Um, and all of a sudden my phone just started ringing off the hook. And I was like getting emails and phone calls from like Buzzfeed and Vice and BBC and Wired and all this stuff. And I was like, oh shit, Gloria, I'm so sorry. I have to go. Yeah. Like I have to go handle this. Um, and I, I, I spent like four days fielding phone calls and then like a bunch of weeks doing interviews. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so great. And then nothing Nothing. happened. 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally like, like it's, it, it still is impactful because I think a lot of people know who I am because of it, but like it didn't turn into anything. I I wish at the time I had had like a PR team or like a social media team, but I I don't have the budget for that. I still don't have the budget for that. Um, But like, I was just like one queer person in New York City, like trying to turn a moment into something. And it was, it, 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 I will say this. It happened the week I had rebranded myself as Gilda Wabbit. Oh, that's perfect. That is nice. That is perfect timing. I had quit my day job. I, I had become Gilda Wabbit, had quit my day job, was full-time performing, and then this meme happened. And what it truly felt like, because it didn't really turn into thing, but what it felt like was the universe being like, we bless you. Your choices are blessed. Like, this rebrand was smart. Quitting your day job was smart. Here is this thing that you can sort of take and, like, move through the world with if you choose to. Um, was that seri- sort of that period of your life? Like, we were talking just as we were kind of introducing this about, like, life changes, like, major, major life changes. Was that, like, one of those for you? Yes. that was, I mean, And that was not so much life changes, like, career change. Like, yeah. right now I'm going through, like, me changes, like, government name person changes. Um, but at that point, I had been doing drag in New York City for a year. And I was working full-time as a restaurant manager. And I was frustrated because I was like, I want this to be my job. I've been trying to be a full-time artist since I was in like middle school. Um, and I was like, what the fuck do I do? And I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I, something's not clicking. I know I'm a good performer. I know I'm funny. It must be a marketing thing. Let me do a rebrand that, yeah. that doesn't take me away from where I'm at, but like hones in on it and cleans it up and makes it more understandable. Yeah. Um, and yeah. More, yeah, more, I mean, I always say that like the more um, intimate you get with your own identity, whether it's brand or whatever, the more universal you become. Yes. And I think that's an amazing, like that rebranding to hone in is just such a cool opportunity. Absolutely. I, th- I think something that I, I wish a lot of young drag performers thought about, which we are kind of talking about, this is very related to like the politics thing we we're just talking about, is that like, there are systems in place. There is a language, a cultural language that you can play into to get what you want. And if you spend all of your time trying to work outside of the system and still expecting to be rewarded like someone who works within the system, you will struggle and be frustrated. And so you have to accept the consequences of your desires. And I desired to be a full-time artist. And so I was like, I have to hone in on how to market myself. I have to have a name that is easy to say. I have to have an Instagram, a Twitter, a Venmo, a Facebook that's all universal. I have to have a website. I have to like have merch. I have to do all of these things to play the part. And then if I can bring that with like my talent, maybe it'll go somewhere. And it did. And I'm still always honing in on that. Like there's still always a next step, 
but like, but like I saw the system and was like, okay, like I have to like play to these like white women who will pay me money yeah, so that I can work. Well, and I think in any artistic success, it is so much playing the part. And, and I think that never stops, you know, the yeah. part just becomes the show when you're trying to teach like people how to market themselves, especially in an artistic way, like seeing the, the successes that some people have, right. like they're all doing the exact same thing. You need to figure out how to do that in your own brand. Right. How do, how do you sell out and also stay you? Yes. I think it's such a perfect, a perfect mm. conversation. One of know? the things that I've always appreciated about you is that you've kept that art here. Um, you did go to New York for a long time or how Five long? Five years. Um, that's long to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you've brought it home yeah. and you've exposed our community to your beliefs, your views, Gilda Wabbit. And I love that when people stay in Kentucky to make a difference. And I think that is something we've agreed on and we've agreed on for sure. Yeah, because I came back as, you know, I probably did similar years in yeah. D.C. Yeah. Uh, before coming back here. But it's like if all of the progressive people leave our state, what the fuck happens to our state? Right. There's this whole myth that, like, I got sold as a young person. And that people reinforced for me when I was in New York that like everyone in Kentucky is backwards and blah, 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 blah. And like you have to leave and get out. But like that's not fucking true. Like just just because we have Mitch McConnell, just because we we often have Republican governors, just because like there's a that, like our politics do not fairly reflect the people who live here. And even the people who vote for those things are poorly served by it. And so we need progressive voices to be here and to stay here and to fight the long and frustrating battle to if we want things to improve. Do you know what I mean? And like, I'm like, I want things to improve for everybody. I want things to improve for the minor who voted against all of my rights because, because people are selling that person bad information. Do you know what I mean? I want people in fucking Nicholas County who are queer to have someone to fight for them and like get the vote out. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. I, I want all those yeah. things to happen. And so like, it is important for me right now in my life to like be here and to do that and to be the person that like, I wish I had seen growing up. You know what I mean? Well, there's so many people who are like, I need to leave this town. I need to leave this state. And I think I, especially artists too. Mm, like I think yeah. there's a huge, I mean, the minors are being sold alive. But I think the artists are too. Yes. So you have to be in New York, DC, LA, San Francisco to make art. Yeah. Do you know how people, there are so many artists I know who went to New York City and do you know what they're fucking doing right now? Waiting tables. Oh yeah. yeah. They are not making art. And like that, like that's why I became a drag queen is because Mm -hmm. I went to New York to be an opera singer and I was like singing. I was, I did six roles with four companies my first year there, but it didn't pay me shit. So I was also working at a restaurant 40 hours a week and doing that 40 hours a week and taking the train everywhere which takes like two hours both ways and it was exhausting yeah and so many people have talked to me about like do you miss new york and i'm like no 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 no. new york is like a place to visit mm-hmm. and not a place to live because i didn't get to know to go to new york and experience culture i got to go to new york and hustle and have no friends and no sleep and no life yeah and I, that's such a common story i feel like i hear all the time from queers that quote unquote like run away yeah so what, what made you come back? Uh, my husband at the time, I'm now divorced, but um, he moved back to work on Amy McGrath's first campaign. Oh, awesome. Oh, awesome. Um, yes. Yeah. And um, I, we lived apart for a year. And during that year was when we got married. 
Um, and I was like, wow, I'm so depressed now. Yeah, because like the only person I ever saw when I wasn't working was gone. Um, and, and like I was paying to like live in New York by myself because he was now paying to live here in Kentucky. Um, and so it was just like crazy. And I, and I also, also was like creeping towards like the top of New York city and like peeked over the edge to see what I was looking at. And there was just like, there was a lot of drugs and there was a lot of like unhappiness and there was a lot of shadiness and like the politics was really bad. And I was like, oh, maybe I don't want to be a drag artist if like this is where things are headed and I'm sad, like, let me go home and like sort of reevaluate things. I really thought if, if Play Louisville weren't here, I would have quit drag. And it's, I don't know what I'd be doing, but. It's interesting you say that because I've become really good friends with one of um, RuPaul's, RuPaul Drag Race's queen's assistants. That's a yeah. mouthful to say. And they've told me so many things about the industry. And I'm just like, oh shit, I really had no idea that's how that went. It's just like, typical Hollywood type stuff you think about with the drugs and the drinking and the chaos and the sketchiness and shadiness. And it was a huge surprise to me, honestly. I think yeah. so much of entertainment is because I know musicians who are yeah, I guess though, it is like just it's entertainment work is is can be really hard and really Yeah. I mean I, I I feel really differently now than I did then, but like I've I'm like in the Louisville drag scene and I still see all of that happening here. And like, we're not making nearly as much money or as famous, but like, it's, be it's because hurt people are everywhere. Right. And when you work in an industry like entertainment, which is kind of like the wild west, because you don't have to like go to a corporate job with like your toenails not painted and like no makeup on your face and like wear a skirt and like stockings. You know what I mean? You can like go and like be wild that people enable you to do all of these things and when you're hurt, you just like take them on. You're like, well, I feel better now because you're coping. But like, instead of coping by like cheating on your wife at like 8 p.m. in a motel, you're coping by like railing cocaine on a Saturday at 5 a.m. Yeah. Like that's how you cope. Um, I love how all of our episodes go back to trauma. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, we've had a lot of trauma talk in the show. Hello, Beards and Lavender listeners. I'm Sydney Hampton, a Louisville, Kentucky-based drag queen Horror Hostess and the host of Really Queer Podcast, where I discuss the queer themes, tropes, and characterizations, for better or worse, of some of our most beloved films, from masterpieces to cringy guilty pleasures. Join me and guests such as Gilda Wabbit, Eris Jolie, and Beard and Lavender's own Spencer Jenkins as we discuss queerness in film, from Chopping Mall to Drop Dead Gorgeous. Really Queer is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Find your platform by visiting anchor.fm forward slash really queer that's r-e-e-l-y queer and now back to beards and lavender i actually wanted to ask you about what is it like working for play as a playmate i have plenty of friends and acquaintances that are bartenders and have worked the front um but i've never really sat down with someone who's a playmate and asked what it was like to work there yeah that's a really interesting question um, I remember when I got hired there, I had a lot of friends who were like, why do you want to work at play? Mm -hmm. Like it's a corporate bar. It's owned by like a bunch of like white straight dudes. Why do you want to work there? And like, once again, my answer was like, I want to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. This is the consequence of wanting to be 
a working artist. And when I got into play, wonder of wonder, surprise, surprise, it's more complicated than that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the, 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 the like accusations from the outside about play, like there is certainly some like grit to it, some like tooth to it, but also it's a lot more complicated than that. And being in the space, I get to try to influence the people who are making decisions. Um, recently, we hired Diana Ray as one of our playmates. I saw that. Um, and I have been fighting to get her hired for two years. And I've only been there for three. Um, but like, but like, I was like looking around and being like, we need another black person on cast. Yeah. We, we, we need a, a, a trans person on mm-hmm. cast. Um, we don't have a representation of her body type. And, and like all of those things are good and well, but you should not hire someone as a token. You should hire someone because they're good at their fucking job. And she is good at her fucking job. Every time that woman gets on stage, if she's doing Broadway, if she's doing a ballad, if she's doing Cardi B, if she's doing Britney Spears, it doesn't matter. That range is incredible. Her range is incredible. She is, it is a humbling experience. I sit next to her in the dressing room and it is a humbling experience to like come back and be like, oh, I did so good. There's my money. And she just like dumps a pile of money. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, heard. And like, and and like, I'm just so happy that she's there. You know what I mean? And also, and like, and also like, I'm glad that I was there to talk to the people making the higher decisions about her because, because they're there. We are play is in a stage that I think of like moving away from where it was and trying to step into a new place, a place that is more progressive, a place that is more inviting, a place that is more community oriented. We had a, 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 we had a lot of people who were working, who are no longer working, who had built an environment that felt cruel and shady and like a lot of people had left like audience members and performers who were working had left because of that environment um and and those people are gone and now we're sort of inviting new energy in fresh energy in and like there are people like me and Leah and Diana who are talking to management about like how we want the vibe to be who we want to be there what we can do to help the community grow to move forward in the yes. way, in a, in a positive way. No, I Absolutely. love that. And like, I'm so glad I got in when I did because I, I wouldn't be able to be a part of that if I didn't. Well, I mean, it's the one of the only places in town where you can go see a drag show. Yeah, consistently on a regular basis. Right. You know, the times are well, all... Well, that's not just a brunch, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Right, yeah, yeah. And and there's certainly, um, you know, we, we're, we're very lucky to have um, CC's around and the Moo around oh, yeah. and all these great brunch places and we're really lucky to have like a solid regular Wednesday through Sunday you can come see a drag show venue uh, I think I think having a cast like we do is and and the space people ask like another thing that happens is like people are like why do you want to work at play and I'm like okay faggots <laughs> do you not realize that this is one of the best gay bars in the nation. Yeah, the stage is incredible. I have worked on both coasts and all through the Midwest and the South. And I have never had the privilege of working at a venue like this. It's in terms beautiful. Of space, yeah. Dance floor, huge. Venue, theater, amazing. Like, like that's why like Drag Daddy Productions who I'm working with, we're doing real actual theater there because yeah. there is equipment and space and like sound and lighting design and 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 just like like and, and I want to look at people sometimes and be like, I've worked in a lot of crazy dive bars in New York City. 
And do you know what existed in the dive bars in New York City? A bunch of white men who owned queer, a bunch of straight white men who owned queer spaces, and they just happened to own a dive bar. And so like I was dealing with all the things that you all think I shouldn't be dealing with, except I was getting ready in a public bathroom with one stall. Mm -hmm. And I was on a stage that was essentially four crates. You want to talk about the crate challenge, okay? (laughs) Performing, Performing on those fucking stages in New York City. I have seen people fall through them and fall off them and it's terrible. And so like, so like to come here and like, I just think that people, unfortunately, and, and this is when we're talking about leaving, I think that people should leave and come back because what you miss when you don't leave is you take for granted what we have here. Mm-hmm. You think, oh, it must be so much better somewhere else. And, but you've never gone. And if you go and come back, you realize it's all the same everywhere, except here we can afford to pay our bills and like and like live sort of comfortably. Mm-hmm. And so like it's easier to deal with our bullshit here than it is to deal with the bullshit in New York because you're already dealing with the cost of living and transportation and the fact that there are rats in your apartment. And so when you're trying to talk to your boss about like his his like blind spot when it comes to race or transness or or, or women, like you're so exhausted from dealing with the rest of life. But like here, I, I have like, a bedroom and like space to do my makeup in my home. And like, I have a car and traffic is, traffic is annoying sometimes, but like, have you ever driven in Chicago? Like, like this is so much better. And so when I have to go to someone and be like, Hey, I really want to have like a a conversation with you. It's like, maybe going to be tough, but like, we need to talk about like the optics of our venue. I'm happier. And so I can do that better. And I can have a better impact because I'm not coming from a place of like, well, I'm already pissed off and now I'm just yelling at you and calling you a racist because like, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Right. I, I love hearing this because there are so many misconceptions about play and sitting down with someone who has the lived experience there is an awesome thing to hear about. Yeah, I, I just, I think, I think, I, I, I guess you could, I'm, I'm getting self-conscious now about talking about it because I guess you could, I don't know how this, you're going to perceive this. People are going to be like, well, Gilda's confirmed that there are problems at play or you're going to be like, well, I Gilda, don't think our audience Gilda, is. No. Right. There are problems everywhere. Right. That, and that's what I want to say is like, it's we're like, Kentucky's got a ship down up. Yeah. We've right. got our own problems. My, my small boyfriend works in outdoor education and you think like, oh, woo woo crunchy people who are there to like teach the children how to rock climb. And it's all terrible. They've quit so many jobs because the people who, like one of the jobs they were working for, they quit during the quarantine because their boss was like, we're going to open in May of 2020. And they were like, no, I don't want to work for a place that's going to take children and like put them in large groups in May of 2020. We have no information about this. So they quit. And now like a year and a half later, the guy's been fired. And so has the leader of the board because they were shady as fuck. Like you can't escape issues no, uh, you cannot escape systemic issues anywhere. Like, like that's what I want to say to people sometimes is like, play is not the cause of racism and sexism and transphobia. Right. Play, much like every other venue and organization and also human being on this planet is a pawn in and a victim of our larger systems. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I I think that we should look at spaces that have problematic history and say, okay, if I can get in, if I want to get in, like, I wanted to get in. I wanted to work at that venue. I love the performers. I love my bosses. They're so good to me. But I was like, okay, I want to get in here. And also, can I speak to these things that have happened? And Are, Are they open to listen? Yeah, yeah. And I found out that they are. 
extremely open to listen. And, and, and like, I'm grateful to go and use my privilege as like a white person with a penis to have tough conversations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, and I think, at least I hope, we're moving into this space where cancellation isn't happening as, happening as much anymore. And we're trying to do call-ins more yeah, so than call-outs. Yeah, and it's... Because I've been called out and I'm like, shit, like, we're friends. You literally could have texted me and been like, hey, let's have this conversation really quick about something you did that was problematic. And I would have learned so much more from it from it rather than have resentment against that person for oh, calling yeah. me out. Yeah, I've had people call me out on Twitter and then, like, I, like, message them privately and they've been like, oh, girl, you're my friend. You're totally okay. It's fine. And I'm like, okay. So, so you, you for clout then? You called like, me out for clout? Like... You, 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 you. We're all you, getting angry. <laughs> right. You misconstrued my words for what? Like, yeah. if, because now that I'm in your DMs, you like are not mad at me and I'm really confused. And I, I think that that, I mean, I, I have become so much less online, which I think is a, a service to my mental health, but also like a disservice to my platform. Like I have wanted to sit on the internet and speak about issues. And all I have learned unfortunately, is to not speak because I am a person who does not know everything. I have blind spots. I misspeak. I am occasionally mistaken. And yet I am interested in learning, but it doesn't matter if I misspeak or have a blind spot that could ruin my career. Right. And so I have just decided to not. And that's such a shame. Yeah, it is. You're an intelligent, outspoken person. Like, yeah, I just hate that. Yeah. But, like, I'm grateful for podcasts because I get to right. come on here and speak in, in a longer form. And, like, that sort of, that like, that like self-consciousness is my, like, hypervigilance about, like, oh, my God, could any of these sentences be taken out of context and used against me? And also, I'm trying to get to a place in my life, and this is about, like, growing, yeah. where I'm, like, shameless. I'm, like, fuck it. If you want to take something that I have said in good faith out of context and try to, like, smear me in, in your little group on the internet... Go ahead, baby. Mm-hmm. Do it. Like I, I, I. Out of this fear, so so sometimes when I'm yeah. when I have fears, my brain goes to a place that gets really defensive, and so out of this fear, I have a T-shirt design that I've never released, obviously, that just says "The future liberals want is canceled," <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just like waiting for the day. You know what I mean? I mean, we can sell it. We we sh- I would buy it. I would buy hey, it. Hey, yeah. Hey. Because like I've got two sales, sales right? already. Right. I I I, th- I think so often now. Like 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 when I talk about this stuff, I'm like, this is gonna be it. It's like I'm gonna get canceled for like feeling complicated about cancel culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think so many people are just opening up more and discussing things rather than canceling. At least in my opinion, especially after last summer when cancel culture was running rampant. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like it, it, I think I have had so much fear in the past about saying something openly. And being so PC, because I worked in politics in D.C., so I was just told, like, immediately, like, everything you say will be taken in, you know, sound bites. Right. So, like, for the first two years I was writing for Queer Kentucky, I only wrote under pen names. Right. And for the first time... It got on my nerves so For the first time in my life. And I've been writing since I was, like, professionally since I was 16, 17. Yeah. um, I've started using my actual name, and it's been the most terrifying thing. But very freeing. Yeah. To just say, I stand behind everything I say, and if I misspeak, I will earnestly apologize right because we, we are adults we will take the consequences for our actions 
Yeah. And, and everything yeah. I say is, is hopefully good hearted, you know? And so if I misspeak, then it, it was probably a, truly a mistake. And I, I would like to learn from that and like yeah. grow. And, and that's, that's where I would like to kind of move in that cancel culture yeah. narrative. It's, you know? it's so wild to me when we say things like support trans people, support black people. But then if like, like Shakari Richardson recently, like liked that tweet and said something weird. And I don't know the whole story, but I saw the internet blowing up about it. And I was right. like, I was like, are we not still supporting black women? Is is her saying something we disagree with that is problematic, making her not a black woman now? Right. Or like when Natalie Wynn got canceled on ContraPoints for like, as a non-binary person, I could talk about it all day long because I don't think she deserved that. But like, do we not support trans women who are working to de-radicalize the right because they misspoke oh, and about the amount, the amount of work that goes into those into the videos. Yeah, the, the amount of videos she's done. Like, yeah. it's it, of all of the things she said that that it, it's just amazing how much effort can go into to being honest and being open and like the one little thing right can be the trigger. Yeah, there was a, there was a there's a drag artist named Bitter Betty. Um, she's so really great. Name. She's so great. Um, and and she is a person who has been fighting for trans rights and her name is Bitter Betty because she like is angry. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And recently her husband, who is also trans, got asked his pronouns in public and it triggered him because he like is a passing trans man and like they come from a culture where like binary trans people don't want to be asked their pronouns. They want to be properly pronounced by the way they look, right? And so she spoke about it on the internet from an upset place. And then all the non-binary people were like, how dare you? Like, we need our pronouns to be asked for. And, 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 and tried to cancel her. And I was like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Our binary trans siblings mm -hmm. are allowed to experience their emotions about feeling clocked in public. And there is a world in which being asked your pronouns, even though it is thoughtful, is being clocked. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so, and so we have to give her space just because her experience is different from ours. And she might have said some shitty things. You know what I mean? But like, we cannot cancel this trans woman in the community fighting for trans rights because she doesn't understand the non-binary experience because she only knows her experience, especially if we're not going to sit there and talk to her from a place of good faith and love about our experience. I want people to be able to disagree and to have some resiliency about that. Like, you know what I mean? My, my father voted for Donald Trump because he's pro-life. Right. Like, my dad yeah. is like essentially a single issue voter. Do you know what I mean? Where, where are you from? I, I was born in Fern Creek. Oh, okay. And my parents live in Frankfurt now. Yeah, I guess we skipped over a lot of your initial the... bios. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hi, hello. Um, yeah, but like, but like, I, I, that man is so complicated. Do you know what I mean? Like he taught me about compassion and he taught me about empathy and he like helped me become the person that I am. And like, we disagree about that, but like, I'm going to sit in his fucking corner and love that man hard and talk to him about things and, and try to move the needle, but like not give up on it. And like, and, 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 and that's a privilege that like, I can do that. That like, we have a good enough relationship that I can do that. I'm not saying everyone has to do that, but like, I wish there was more of that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, let's take one more, one more quick, quick break, break. Mm. and we'll be back with Bye. some questions. Yeah. Mm. 
Girl, we have so many amazing drag queens in our region. We really do. And the best part is so many host drag brunches throughout Louisville and Southern Indiana. For example, the amazing and beautiful Aubrey J. She hosts Borden Your Bistro's bi-weekly drag brunch. There's honestly no better combination than drag, food, some cocktails or mocktails, and making it rain on the queens. They have two showings every other Saturday at Borden U. The first starting at 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. and 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Get your tickets at BordenUBistro.com backslash brunch. They sell out really fast, and you don't want to miss a menu curated by head chef Aaron Flanagan. The Beards and Lavender duo can't wait to see you at the most fun and entertaining drag brunch in Kentuckyana. See you there. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Hey. Um, we want to give a quick shout out to Louisville Vegan Jerky Company. Um, you can get 20% off with the code QueerKY at LouisvilleVeganJerkyCo.com. Delicious vegan jerky. Go buy some. All Every right. time I think about vegan meat, I just think about dildos. Yeah. yeah. It is It is the, the vegan meat, the original vegan meat. It, it, it is. It is the only, it's one of the few meats I've ever had. I'm not a big fan of dildos, honestly. Like, I love a butt plug. Yeah. But, like, a dildo, I, I just can't vibe with it. What's the difference for you in a butt plug versus a dildo? I can keep it in around me oh. all day. I'm, I'm searching I'm searching for, like, the right dildo right now because my, my small partner um, is trans. And, like, I would love to have... And, like, they like topping me. But, like, the, the strap-on they have is built for vaginas mm-hmm. and not because they had a history of dating women and like not for buttholes and so i'm like on the search for like the right like like i need to find like the 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 pegging strap on for straight girls you know what i mean yeah. like for like those sensitive straight men's butts yeah no she can help you probably yeah i mean i've i've truthfully never pegged anybody i've only but i've only i've never really had sex with Many men. men. Yeah. Many men. Um, well, but, I love... That. No, but there is this one harness company that makes really good harnesses mm. that also has, like, good good leather and faux leather harnesses that also has a large selection of, like, dildos for vaginas, dildos for assholes. Like, it has I never even to find... thought about dildos for, like, different oh, holes. They're and so people. different. And they're, they're dildos now for, like, just oral sex. Yeah. It's part It's part of why I like sleeping with trans men is that yeah. I have a penis... That's built for vaginas, not for bottles. Right, right. All the time, people are like, like, no, no, it can't go in there. And I'm like, are you, I've been eating you out for 30 minutes. I'm like, no. But then, like, some with a pussy, it's just like. It's just, just very, very different. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I like that where this conversation is going, because we just had someone write about um, Sexy Sex Ed, which is an organization out of Appalachia. And they we're writing about the fact that queer people really suffer later in life because they weren't given any type of sexual education right. about their lives. Um, so yeah, let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know I didn't know I was a top. Oh my God, the discovery of top and bottom-ness. Cause like, I thought I was always a top until recently. I'm like, I just want to be bottom sometimes. Yeah, I, 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 my ex-husband and I, I topped him for the first years of our relationship. It was great. And then he stopped wanting to have sex, which is a whole other conversation. Oh, we um, have <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so, and so I started sleep. We, we opened a relationship and I experience performance anxiety with strangers. Oh, and really? so, yes. 
And so I exclusively bottomed for like five years of my life. Um, and then I start, I got divorced, started dating my two boyfriends now, and both of them are bottoms. And I started topping again. And I was like, oh, wait, wait this is fun. This <laughs> could oh, be really fun. What? And so now I'm like the queen of like, like with, with people I know, definitely going to top. And then like, if you want me to top you and you're a stranger, I'm like, Viagra exists for a reason, baby. Them top for life. But yeah. Oh, I am the blousiest blouse. You want to get, <laughs> you want to get your ass scratched by these press-ons while I'm dicking you down. Yeah. Like, let's go. But it's funny because like, I'm like scratching the press-ons, but also I'm like, yeah, fucking take that oh, dick. That's like so I funny. turn on my like Christian it. Bale voice for some reason. <laughs> I get very primal. It, I think it's just so important to have these conversations because no one talks about sex openly. Like, no. on any platform. No, I grew up really religious. And when I came out of the closet, I spent two years studying Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic so I could, like, translate the Bible from the original and talk about, like, why it was okay for me to be queer. Oh, That's amazing. Fine. Yeah. That's a podcast. We're going to have yeah. you back on for that yeah. one. Yeah, because, because, like, it really instances me. And, like, I talk to people all the time about how the Bible is poorly translated. It is, it is, it is. Several thousand times. Several thousand times. <laughs> it is interpreted out of context. It is, it is largely either a boring historical record or metaphorical poetry. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But, Religious truth versus truth right. truth. But yeah. we treat it like a manual. You know what I mean? Like the Yamaha manual for how to live your life. <laughs> like, And I'm like, no, fuckers. And also, like, it, was it maybe the word of God at one point? Sure. But you know what that word went through? Somebody's hand. And then it got translated 13 times by people with their own fucking agendas. And I'm so over all of us pretending like it's the truthiest truth that ever existed. When, like, not even science pretends it's the truthiest truth that ever existed. Science understands that things evolve all the time and they don't know what they don't fucking know. There was someone in um, Southern Baptist Seminary School that DM'd me on Twitter and was like, hey, we should hook up. And I'm just like... What is wrong with you people? Why are you studying Why? there? Yeah. Like, what do you want from me? Well, I, and, I just like. And that culture twists sex so deeply into its own just horrific. Handmaid's uh, Tale. Handmaid's Tale. I'm making a goal to talk about Handmaid's Tale every episode. So far, you've hit, you've nailed that goal. I'm so obsessed. Even though it's very problematic, we are going to have a podcast later about the rise of HIV and. Men who have sex with men that use intravenous drugs. That is the public health terminology for yeah. it. It is black women are still very high risk, but it has circled back to men who have sex with men. Who use intravenous drugs. That basically shoot up meth. Yeah. Like, so we will be revisiting that at yeah. some point. That's a, that's a topic for another day, too. Right. That's yeah. a, that deserves a whole podcast. Great well, time to talk about when I accidentally did meth. Yeah. God, I think... I feel like so many people have accidentally done meth, though. Like, well, especially in a gay bar or in like a, a, a festival, a, a festival like or you're in a bathroom and things are just being around. Friends, if someone offers you cocaine and it smells like cat piss, it's not cocaine. No, <laughs> it's not. Do not do the whole bag with them because no one else would do it with them. No one else is doing it with them for a reason. For a reason. I know. I mean, like, Pass, Gilda. And don't take a capsule that you like. don't know what's in it. I, I love how I'm saying these things and I have done all of these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Well, yeah, that's why we're saying it. It's like we're <laughs> speaking from experience. Yeah. And and uh, but you know what's gonna happen? Is there's someone like me listening to the, this podcast and being like, "Fuck you! I make my own mistakes." Oh, because God. that's yes. who I am. That is but, who I am. Yeah, yeah. Through and through. But again, everyone's allowed to make their own mistakes. Like we all have been there. It's okay. My mom was always like, "I don't know why you want me." To let you fail. And I'm like, I guess I just need to to yeah. really figure out. I think out some who of us have to. Yeah. I got whole ass married. Talk about a mistake. Yeah. So Let's one talk of about that. one of the questions we have on this podcast, Sarah, do you want to go over the theme of beards oh, and lavender? Sure. Yeah, we've not even talked about the theme like, yet. I kind of sent you like what it is and whatnot. But yeah, but I just kind of started talking at you all. Yeah. Sarah's good at explaining it. Um, so it's kind of goes into, it's a, it's a two part kind of theme, um, just kind of based around Spencer and I's relationship, uh, particularly with like the tradition of especially gay men having beards, uh, to cover up their sexuality. And then the tradition. And also to define their jawlines. And to, yes. Uh, (laughs) I want to get filler. Did you get rid of the stash? Oh Oh, yeah. He did. He did. There was a good stash there for a while. Uh, It was getting too heavy and it felt weird and I needed. It'll come back. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. But no, and then the, the tradition of lavender marriages, which, you know, they've always been mm. seen as marriages of convenience, but we kind of redefined it as marriages of mutual support. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just the idea that Spencer and I have been this weird kind of lavender marriage the last three years of just supporting each other throughout everything and like fucking showing up for everything. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of our theme. Oh. Mm-hmm. All of the women I've been in lavender marriages with have gotten actually married, so I'm not in one anymore. Oh, well, I've, we've been asking every guest, like, did you ever have a beard? Oh, my God. I dated so I dated most of the cheerleaders Oh, growing up. Ooh, so you were that. Yeah. You were yeah. that person. I, 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 like, dated all of the hot girls, and it's largely, also, there's some like, mowing outside. There's definitely some um, trees being chopped down right. because of the gentrification. Fuck. Gentrification. <laughs> Let's do that word for you. In Butchertown. Yes. Um, Anyways, you fucked a lot of pussy. Yeah, I dated a lot. Well, no, I dated a lot of girls and they liked dating me because I didn't want to have sex with them. Mm, Love that. Um, And and they were, a lot of the girls I dated were super religious. And so it was like, it was like, oh, like, like Sam, Sam, my government name. I always do that. Sam isn't going to pressure me to have sex with him because he's like a good Christian boy. So like, I'll date him. And so like, I was making out with a lot of hot women. Mm -hmm. Making out fun. Making out fun. Um, and, and 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 I, it's a really interesting question because like my very first sexual fantasies were about women, and um, never. Yeah. Oh, plenty. Um, I remember one of my my my, my friend's older sister, Rebecca. My very first sexual fantasy was about her taking her shirt off and me touching her boob. And oh, I that's so. so- well, <laughs> we need to stop hanging out. Yeah. It, and it was like, I remember being really hot. Like, I thought about it viscerally all the time. And I, like, looked at, I, and I, it's, my sexuality is still evolving. But, like, my sexuality, before I realized I could also be into men, was that I liked, I thought women were beautiful and attractive. And I wanted to treat them like queens and goddesses and princesses and not like sex objects i love that so like i would i would like masturbate to like artful nudes of like happy women in fields so like an andy warhol vibe like everyone was like a muse to him yeah sure yeah but and like and like i i really thought that i was like straight straight and then in middle school i discovered gay anime and what's what's the wait what's the name for it like hentai oh hentai no but i don't i don't mean hentai i mean like 
anime with like gay stories. Oh, not porn. Okay. Just like like actual like, gay stories. It was like my first stories. exposure. I, everything in my head just goes to right. fucking no, porn. No, now now do I watch anime nights get like pummeled against their will by like orcs? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but but at the time it was like just like legitimate romance stories, and I was like, oh, oh, the way I feel about these women is not romance. Mm-hmm. It is not sexual attraction in the way people have been talking to me about it because this clicks for me. And so I stopped dating women in high school because I like, I could sort of synthesize it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really interesting conversation for me still because there have been plenty of women that I have felt a real strong attraction to, but I'm still uncovering, is it, actual attraction is it actual attraction that is like marred by the way that women are treated as sex objects is it gender envy am i like am i like attracted to these women because i want to be them you know what i mean like there are all these the reverse jealousy of that yeah Yeah, that's a huge thing yeah there are all these like strong questions that i have but i dated women and i i was i was a little casanova because girls were all over me i'm still a little casanova yeah yeah, you are yeah (laughs) yeah I just can imagine like little like 12 year old like oh my god going on all like the very middle school dates yeah I would I and I loved taking girls to horror movies because they would like get scared like it was I was I mean listen I was steeped in stereotypical gender roles you all okay I'm like not saying this is how oh, things should be, should be but like I was take I would take girls to scary movies because I would want them to like hold my hand and like think I was strong That's so cute and and like I still do that like like even though like my gender is really complicated like there's a big part of me that like likes being strong into the caretaker and so I love to like be with people who like are more delicate than me, either temperamentally or physically, so that I can like hold them and like help them and like be there for them and then like show them horrifying things and be like, it's okay, I'll cover your eyes while I watch this person's arm get sawed off. <laughs> and then later on I'll fuck you. Yeah. What's your favorite horror movie? Really complicated question. What um, is a one or two? Last night I saw Night House. It was just released. I don't know what that I've not is. Seen that one yet. Um, Rebecca Hall, who was in The Prestige, is the main actress. Mm. It is a tour de force that is a combination of occult, grief, and depression, and it oh. strikes all the notes for this me. This sounds so complex. This sounds like... exactly like the movie I would watch. <laughs> yeah, this it's is the movie really I would write. Really <laughs> great. Speaking of a similar idea, but very differently done, this is a favorite of mine is a dark song which is a movie about two people who lock themselves in a mansion and complete an actual thelemic ritual to like summon their guardian angel, which is like an actual thing you can't, like, I don't know if you can actually summon your guardian angel. I've never done it, but like, it's a well-established ritual and the movie explores it. And like, it's fascinating. It's horrific and wonderful. Um, my favorite like blockbuster horror movie is The Descent. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I love, if you want to talk to me about horror movies, I almost exclusively love women-led horror movies and The Descent has no men in it. Almost no men. The Descent 2 ruined because there are a bunch of men and one woman. Descent 1, a bunch of girls. Claustrophobia. So good. I can't do claustrophobia movies. It's all, it's about oh. mines in Appalachia. So oh. it's like like cave systems in Appalachia. Gotcha. Um, which I, I, And part of why I love claustrophobia in horror movies is that I hate it in real life. Like if I'm in a room and I don't know where the exit is, I'm literally crawling mm-hmm. skin yeah. crawling my biggest fear is like being buried alive because like that would be horrifying to me like staying alive and knowing I can't escape and just oh so you there. can't watch Kill Bill. Kill Bill oh I love Kill Bill Kill Bill Volume 2 when she's yeah. buried alive oh I, my I, god no, I, I love confronting the things I'm terrified of 
I'm a drag performer for a reason. Do you think being on stage is easy? No. No. Like, no. like I love the scary things and like experiencing the things that scare me. Do you have a go-to song? When I'm performing? Like your Moneymaker song. Oh, my Moneymaker song is my Break Free mix, which is a mix of Break Free by Queen and Break Free by Ariana Grande. Ooh, oh, that's great. I made that mix because I was booked for a show in New York City and they said, we need you to do top 40. And I had ex- explicitly built a career before I was Gilda Webbett of not doing top 40 because I was like, I'm an artist. Um, and so I made this mix and the entire mix is about me wanting to perform Break Free by Queen, but I keep accidentally breaking into Break Free by Ariana Grande <laughs> and it frustrates me. And then finally I succumb to it. And like the people who are really plugged in love it because they get the joke. And the people who are not plugged in don't give a fuck. They just love it because I do Ariana Grande. And they're like, she's stripping and doing Ariana Grande. Give her money. Oh, that's perfect. It's so great. It's, a- it's so wonderful. Yeah, it like meets everyone where they're at. It's right up your alley. Grande. Yeah. Yep. I was listening to Queen earlier, actually. That's a fun plug-in. I love complicated bisexuals. Um, we are running out of time. We could talk probably all day. Um, but where can we find you? Absolutely. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Venmo, Grinder, Grubhub, and Ashley Madison at Gilda Wabbit, G-I-L-D-A-W-A-B-B-I-T. In all seriousness, I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok now, um, which is weird. I'm trying to be young again. Um, and you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash gildawabbit. Um, and you can find me on www.gildawabbit.com where you can access my merch designed by, um, Laurel, who is Laurel Ipsum on Instagram and release the doves on Twitter. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you. Seriously. Like for a great been, conversation. Yeah. This has been like in the works in my mind forever. Yeah, we've been talking about it off and on for ages. I know. I'm so excited. Nah, you have to come back. You should oh, just yeah, do no, a regular. Is, yeah. Please. I I am trying to like slowly find my way into podcasting. So please and thank you. It's been a journey for sure. Yeah. Oh God. The first episode, it took us like probably two weeks to even yeah. record. It was like bumping around between places. It was it like... Was... Like close crying moments. Oh no, we were we were laugh crying for most of the time, it but it very was very cathartic. I love sobbing. Oh yeah, we can talk about that. I have a oh, Pisces I... moon. We can talk about that next episode. Oh, crying. We'll do an episode on astrology. That'd be fun. Yes, I will. No, I will have to just kind of step back. And, no, but I you... don't know. You'll have oh, to just te- I'll ask all the questions. I'll read yeah. your chart. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we can do that. Can we do tarot too. Also, yes, I do. I do tarot readings professionally. Like in like that was how I got through quarantine. So, Ooh. yes, absolutely. I don't have any cards here. All I have is a Tom of Inland deck of regular cards. I've right got over there. three decks. I'll bring multiple. That would be fun. That would be amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, follow Queer Kentucky on Facebook and Insta. And Twitter, right? Yeah. Twitter. And we have TikTok or no? No, we're actively looking for someone to do a TikTok for us. Like, run it because... I'm 32 years old yeah. and I run this entire fucking organization. I can't add TikTok can't do it. to We're using Grindr for. We're like setting our Grindr age restriction to like 18 to 25 and being like, do you want to run our TikTok? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like I need to do that. No, but seriously. Uh, so follow uh, Queer Kentucky. All of it's just at Queer Kentucky and uh, QueerKentucky.com. Kentucky is spelled out, not K-Y like the jelly. Yes. And to follow me and Nanny Goat Books, Nanny Goat Press, just follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta at Nanny Go Press. Thank you so much. 